Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I I don't think I've ever been anywhere important enough that somebody would have to say, you can come in, Mr. McCamish. But Jacob Blouse has. You know Jacob, pastor here, preaches sometimes, big tall dude. He was the praying pastor, uh, not too long ago, spirit song, for the bands that were playing. And he was a VIP, very important pastor. He got to go backstage with the bands of spirit song. He had to show his pass. They had to let him in to the backstage venue to pray with these bands. They had dinner prepared for him. And uh, he loves, I think uh, the name is John Cooper. And that's the lead singer for the band Skillet. And John Cooper was at Jacob's table. He got to eat with John Cooper. Jacob was so excited. Jacob said, I, I got to get my phone and take a picture of this. And so he runs out, gets his phone, and he comes back. And he said he got there, and the bouncer standing at the door was bigger than him. And the bouncer says, let me see your pass. And Jacob had left his VIP pass on the table with John Cooper. He said, I was just in there eating. And the bouncer says, I don't believe you. And then John Cooper walked by, the lead singer for Skillet, Jacob's table mate. And the bouncer says, hey, John, you know this guy? And John goes, I don't know that guy. (laughs) Jacob said, the bouncer turned around. He was able to reach by, get his pass, and come right back and show that he was there. And Jacob got let in. Today, we are talking about the I am statements of Jesus. In today's statement, Jesus says, I am the door. And we're going to talk about how he wants to be present in your life, make a difference with you right now, and how Jesus, if you're willing, will let you in. Can we pray about that? Let's pray. Lord, we want in. We want into your kingdom. We want into your family. We want into forgiveness. We want into salvation. We want into eternal life. We want into heaven. And you tell us to get in. We have to know Jesus. So, Lord, as we open up the scripture today, would you, by the power of your spirit, the Holy Spirit within us in this place, would you open up our eyes and our minds to understand and see? And then, Lord, we, we ask that you would welcome us in to your open arms. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 10 is where we are going to find this passage where Jesus says, I am. John chapter 10. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, it comes after chapter 9 and chapter 8. And chapter 8 was where we were at last Sunday, where we talked about how Jesus spoke another I am statement, I am the light. And he's trying to make us understand that he is the one who enables us to understand and, and, and figuratively speaking, see the truth. And they would not believe him, and they did not believe him. And so in chapter 9, he heals a man born blind. 
And the Pharisees cannot understand what is going on. They don't even believe it. And they say, you weren't really born blind. And he's like, yeah, I really was born blind. And then they, the Pharisees went and got this guy's parents. They said, was he really born blind? They were like, yeah, he was really born blind. And they said, well, how does he see now? And they said, I don't know, ask him. And he said, the man, Jesus, made me see. And they said, well, you know, Jesus is demon possessed, don't you? And the man said, well, I don't know about that. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. And they kicked him out of the synagogue. They barred him from entering. They made him so mad. And this is where we pick up Jesus' comments about those people who kicked the man born blind who now sees out. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs over And up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he he goes ahead of them, and the sheep will follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will simply not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers." Here in this passage, Jesus tells this story and he's mixing these metaphors and he's talking about being a shepherd and he's talking about going in and going over and and thieves and robbers and and, uh, it's kind of maybe a little hard for us to understand. But he was calling those Pharisees, he was saying, "Those, those guys are the thieves and robbers, they're trying to exploit you. He said they're not good shepherds. In fact, chapter 10 is about being a shepherd of God's flock. And Jesus is making this case for a shepherd, but he he has two metaphors for shepherd. The first metaphor we're talking about today, I am the gate. The second metaphor, I am the shepherd, we're going to talk about next Sunday. But in chapter 10, this beginning passage, he, he wants to tell us he is the door, he is the gate, I am. And he says anybody else involved that's trying to take advantage of you. They, they are robbers and thieves. And, and they, the, the people just were not getting it. Jesus was trying to tell them that he stands out. Jesus stands out. Jesus is different than the other people that are already feel like they're on the inside. Jesus stands out. Jesus was, was one who taught with authority. He wasn't like those other robbers and thieves. Jesus would say, um, the, 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 other, the Pharisees, they would teach, they would say, you've heard it said. And then they would quote all these teachers from their past who had taught them and passed it down and taught them and passed it down. And then they said, here's what the scripture says based on these people's teachings. And Jesus comes along and he says, you've heard it said this, but I say this. Jesus stands out. He was one who taught with authority. He said, you follow my way, my words, my teachings. I, and, they, and all the people were amazed. They're like, whoa, this guy, he says it's his words that teach. Jesus stands out. He's the only one, one of those, he's the only one of those people who he actually healed people. There was a man who was born blind and now old enough, and Jesus heals him so he could see. Jesus is the only one who forgave people. Jesus stands out. The Pharisees heard Jesus say that. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And they started whispering, only God can forgive sins. What does this guy think he's doing? And Jesus says, oh, you think it's hard to say, I forgive you? Watch this, get up and walk. And this paraplegic got up and started walking. He said, I want to show you that I have authority to forgive sins. So I'm going to show you I can heal people. That's my authority. 
got up and walked. And Jesus is saying, I can forgive people. He stands out. He's not like those other yahoos. Jesus stands out. Jesus is the only one who lived a sin-free life. I don't care who you follow on Instagram or TikTok or what teacher you like. There is no perfect person out there. And you know it, until you, but you forget about it, especially when you see preachers on stages and, and all we show you is what we have studied all week and we don't tell you anything about our struggles and we don't tell you anything about what's going on. You think, oh man, they've got it all together. No, no, every teacher besides Jesus doesn't have it all together, including this one. But Jesus was perfect. He's the only one. And Jesus is the only one that dies for you, in your place, on the cross, as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the only one that did that. And he's the only one that rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. When Jesus says these I am statements, I am. I am present right now, Jesus says. Jesus claims to be God. So you either have to think, He's a demon trying to trick you or he's crazy as somebody who says, I'm a poached egg or he is who he says he is, says C.S. Lewis. Jesus is the one who forgives, the one who heals, the one who rose from the dead. I think his claim to being God is for real. Jesus said this statement, I was, I am the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus, I am, when he rose from the dead, he is still alive today. He wants to make a difference in your life right now. He is present right now to change your life right now, to bring you joy and peace and comfort, to teach you what is true. Jesus stands out. I love in in a, a study in Revelation and Satan he wants to act like God, and he, he does this parody of God. And so we have in the Revelation, we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Satan is like, man, I, I want to try to do that. So I'm going to be Satan the dragon, and then I'm going to have a beast. He's going to be like my son, and I'm going to have another beast. This is Revelation chapter 13. And it's this parody, like the, the Trinity, and there's the evil Trinity. And Satan's like, ah, I can match it. And God comes along, and he says, that old serpent snake, he was, and he is no more. And soon he'll be thrown in the lake of fire. But Jesus says, I am. Jesus is here with us. Jesus stands out. And he was trying to tell the people, I stand out. I'm different. Everybody else. Some of them trying to exploit you. Those are thieves and robbers. But I am the good shepherd. We're going to talk more about the good shepherd next week. Verse 7, it says, they don't understand what he's talking about. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand those things, the things which were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, I love that phrase. One commentary, he said, I've circled that in my Bible. Jesus said it again. You know, sometimes we're dense and Jesus is the only one that could come along and he say, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But he doesn't do that. He says, come follow me. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you not guilty. Jesus is the only one who come along and says, you're dense, you're dumb, you're dense, you're dumb, you're dense, you're dumb. He doesn't do that. He just tells us again. And that's the way the gentle shepherd works. 
He stands out. And he tells them again. He tells them in a way, he wants them to understand what he's saying. He said, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. We, we don't quite get this reference. We get this idea that, uh, of Jesus letting us in, but that would be kind of like the doorman, not the actual gate. In Jesus' day, the shepherds, when they were out in the fields watching their flock at night, you heard of this before? They would actually build sheep pens out in the wilderness. And these sheep pens were just basically all the stones they could pile up. It wasn't really big, but it was high enough where a sheep couldn't jump over and a wild animal couldn't jump in. But it had no door. So the shepherd, what he would do is he would just get in the door frame of this little makeshift pen. And this is where he would sleep all night long. And no bad guy and no animal could get in without the shepherd knowing about it to protect them. And no sheep could get out because the shepherd was the door. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door. And this is my new favorite Jesus. Ricky Bobby, if you've seen that movie, he says his favorite Jesus is baby Jesus. But my new favorite Jesus is bouncer Jesus. Bouncer Jesus, he's got scars. Says in Isaiah that he's tattooed your name on his hands. He's got tattoos. And bouncer Jesus doesn't let anybody in who isn't supposed to be there. Bouncer Jesus is bigger than Jacob. Bouncer Jesus checks your ID at the door. And you don't get in unless you go through him. Bouncer Jesus can give you all the answers to the questions about the venue that you want to know. Bouncer Jesus knows first aid in case somebody gets hurt. In fact, just like a good shepherd, as the sheep would come into that pen in the wilderness, the shepherd would check each one of those sheep, see if they've nicked themselves, have any wounds, limping. And then the, sh the shepherd would tend to them. The gate would tend to the sheep before they come into the fold. I like Bouncer Jesus. When you get in, he checks you. He says, hey, I'll, I'll bind that wound. I'll put a little ointment on that. I'll, we'll heal you up. Come in and rest. Let me protect you. I like, I like, I like where Bouncer Jesus is going. If someone were to come in and avoid the gate, they'd have to climb over the wall somewhere. They'd have to try to sneak in. Jesus says those are thieves and robbers. And you can't get into the kingdom of heaven without going through Jesus. He says, I am the way. It wasn't that he was the way. It's not that he's going to be the way. He is the way right now. And if you're willing, and you're willing to say, I don't have it all together. I am messed up. I'm a sinner, and I need rescue. I need somebody to heal me from sin sickness. I need somebody to bind my wounds. I need somebody to rescue me from my sinful lifestyle. If you're willing, Jesus says, I'll heal you and let you in. The work is you have to believe and trust me that I'll do it. I love 
bouncer Jesus. Anybody who sneaks in, i got to tell you, though, is a thief and robber. They're out to exploit you. And there are people today that are still trying to exploit you, to sneak in in, 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 a, in a way that is tricky and kind of without you looking. I, 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 I can't go any further without uh, pointing out uh, this issue one law that's coming up. And I know people are back and forth on it. And like there are some who are for it and some who are against it. When I was in like the sixth or seventh grade, I, I grew up in Kentucky. I got to go to this place called KYA, Kentucky Youth Assembly. And our, it was just a mock judiciary session. We got to go to the state capitol. We got to pass laws. And we got to write laws. And it was a contest. I was a nerd. It was a contest where we wrote a law and then we had to get it passed by the whole assembly. And we had to write our law and then send it through committee. And the committee would come back and say, well, this, this line is too vague. What about this? One of the big ones we were trying to get passed when I was in sixth grade was seatbelts on a school bus. And basically it broke down because we couldn't really, it was hard to enforce. And we didn't have anything in there about like, what would you do if a student wasn't doing it? Do they get kicked off the bus? What's the, reper- you know, the, the law didn't cover everything. And so they said, you know, if the law is too vague, this is in sixth and seventh grade. This is a couple of years ago. And um, they said, if the law is too vague, then it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good to enforce. It's going to be bad. It's actually going to cause trauma. I want to read you a line out of issue, issue one. Here's what it says. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Now, on the surface, that sounds okay, but it was written specifically to be vague. In the sixth grade, we would ask this question. What does every individual mean? See, it's vague. Notice there's no age limit on that. So that could be minors. Minors, I love you. If there's kids in here, I love you. But there's a reason why you have parents to help you make life-altering decisions. But if this law gets passed, it will allow minors to make their own medical decisions. I don't know if you've met any minors lately, but sometimes they don't make all the wisest decisions. It's good to have input from adults who have lived through that period of time. Has a right to make and carry out. That means no parental consent is needed. One's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on abortion. And you notice there's no time frame written on abortions. So that means... Abortion up till whenever you want one. Hamas in Israel broke over the walls, secretly went in, and cut the heads off babies and stomped on their skulls. Abortion goes into a woman's womb and cuts off a baby's head. And crushes the skull. And I don't know why that's right for us, but wrong for them. Here's the thing. If somebody goes in over the wall to try to make something happen, they make the law really vague 
They're trying to exploit you, but they won't tell you they're trying to exploit you. Jesus said the Pharisees of the man who was born blind, they kicked that man out. Jesus says they are robbers and thieves. They're just trying to exploit you. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell it to you straight. I'm going to be the gate, the keeper of truth, and there are going to be people that are going to try to sneak in the whole time. And they're going to try to exploit you. They're going to try to take advantage of you. And I, this, this law is trying to take advantage of everyone in Ohio. They're trying to put it into the Constitution to repeal a bunch of safeguard laws that we already have in place. Like you need parental consent when you're a minor. Like you can't have abortion in the third, second or third trimester because... I mean, if you want to make a debate that maybe that's not a baby, I don't think it's a good debate, but maybe you could. But you can't make a debate when you start seeing, like, them moving in the womb. And the only difference between killing a baby in Israel is they were outside the womb, and that's why we heard about it. I just don't want you to be duped. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. You know, if, if Jesus is laying the door protecting, when he gives us the responsibility to act like him, he says, you go now be the protectors. You go now be the gatekeepers for truth and send people to me. So we, we've got a duty here. We've got a responsibility. We need to respond appropriately. And so, you know, Christians and churches are not allowed to speak about political people, but we are allowed to speak about legislation. You, you should vote no on this amendment. It is just gonna, it's just going to hurt us. Jesus stands out, but he also stands in. He, he lays in this gate, and he protects people. But he also stands in in another way. In the tabernacle instructions... God said to Moses, I'm gonna, I want you to build a tent where I'm going to make my presence known. This later became the temple. And the tabernacle was kind of built like this. You, you would go in, and there was a two-room space. And the first room was called the holy place. And the second room was called the holy of holies. Now, in the holy place, there was the candelabra, a light, that was supposed to remain lit all the time. There was a table of showbread, uh, 12 loaves of bread, and the bread was in the light at all times. And there was an a altar of incense, so the smoke was going up to heaven at all times. And these, these are supposed to be lit at all times. And the priests were allowed to work in this space, the holy place. And they were commanded to work in this place. And then in the holy of holies place, the most holy place, was where the Ark of the Covenant went. It was, a, it was kind of like a throne, a golden box. Inside the box was the law of God and the manna from heaven. On top of the box was a golden seat with two angels that bowed down toward the middle, one on each side. And it was on top of this seat called the mercy seat, the atonement cover, that God would actually meet with Moses face to face. And so God gave instructions about the holy place and the holy, the most holy place, the holy of holies place. And here's the instructions he gave Moses. He said, you shall make a veil, a curtain of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It should be made with cherubim, you know, angels on it, the work of a skillful workman. And the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place, that's this place, and the holy of holies. And this veil was put up, this curtain was put up. 
When they built the temple, they built it, it, they built it to scale, but they made it bigger. Like the tabernacle was a tent that they could carry around in the desert, but the temple was one location. When they built it, they had the holy place and they had the most holy place and they had a curtain that was 60 foot tall and 30 foot wide and four inches thick. The historian Josephus said, if you put a horse on one side of the curtain and a horse on the other side of the curtain and had it pull, it couldn't rip this curtain. This thing was strong and thick and And it kept people out of access with God. God is separate. This is kind of like a a throne of judgment back here. And the priest was allowed to come to the holy of holy places. He was allowed to go past the curtain one time a year. And to get there, he had to take the blood of the sacrifice and he had to sprinkle it on the curtain because the blood needed needed to cover the curtain before he went in. He had to have blood to go in. And then when he got in, he had to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat because the blood had to cover things. And, the, and it was such a holy place and so dangerous, the tradition is the priest would wear bells because nobody else was allowed to go in there. And what if you offended God? If the priest who offended God was in there and they heard the bell stop ringing, there was a rope attached to him outside the curtain. They had to pull his body out from in there. But remember, Jesus stands in. In Matthew chapter 27... It says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He was on the cross, dying. And at that moment, he yielded his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple, that 60-foot tall, 30-foot long, 4-inch thick curtain, was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. When Jesus died, the access to God was opened. When Jesus died, his blood became the blood that covered the curtain, the blood that covered the mercy seat, and this was no longer a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace, all because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. See, Jesus stands out because he's different than anybody else, but he also stands in. And if you're willing to hear his voice and you're open to his call, his command, he will let you in. Jesus stands in. But he also separates out. The disciples asking him in Luke, they said, are, are very many people going to be saved? Luke chapter 13, Lord, are just a few people going to be saved? And Jesus said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and not be able to. See, the doorway into forgiveness, the doorway into heaven, the doorway into the kingdom of God, the doorway into the family of God, the doorway into eternal life, the doorway into salvation is only one person wide. Jesus, we heard this in our small group Wednesday night, Jesus is the most inclusive, exclusivist there ever was. Because Jesus is exclusive, but it's available to anyone. Anyone willing to repent and turn to Christ, to believe that he died in their place and rose from the dead. Anyone willing to believe that, he will let in. He gives us a way to come in. 
He says, listen, I want to tell you how you can get inside me. I am the door. He said, believe with all your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Repent of your sins. Be buried into my death and raised by faith in baptism. Get into Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. I am the way. You cannot get in except through Jesus. But it is available to anyone. It's inclusive, but it's exclusive. Jesus separates out. He stands out. He stands in, but he also separates out. But it's available to anyone who's willing. And finally, Jesus says, <laughs> I love this. Jesus solves the in and out. I, I, I loved it. I, I am so surprised every time. I shouldn't be. But there are so many references and stories in the New Testament that, out, out, that point to Old Testament. And so um, when Moses was leading the people out of slavery... If you, if, you, if you know that story and you've heard of the, the ten plagues and the death of the firstborn and the Passover lamb, if you heard that, this is the Moses story. Uh, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. God heard their cry. He led them out of Egypt. He caused ten plagues to come on Egypt. Each plague got worse. Each time the, the king of Egypt would say, I'm not going to let your people go. And God would send another plague. And the, and the king of Egypt would say, okay, I'll let your people go. Just take away the plague. And that happened nine times. The last plague was the death of the firstborn child. And the king of Egypt and all the Egyptians... They said, you, you all have to leave. And they left. And then the king said, what have we done? We got rid of our slaves. And he went after them. And they come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts. And the Israelites go across on dry land. They receive the Ten Commandments. And the first thing they do is they start worshiping a golden idol. God says, okay, I just showed you who I was. So you all can't go to the promised land, but I'll let your children go. So Moses leads them in the desert for 40 years. He was 80 when it started. And so when they finally get to the promised land, God says, Moses, you, you can't go in. And so Moses prays, and he has this prayer in Numbers chapter 27. He says in chapter 27, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord, the God of all the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them and who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd." Moses said, I can't go in, so God send a leader for them. One that can go in and come out and lead them in and lead them out. And they chose a man named Joshua. Joshua's name in Hebrew means the Lord saves. God is salvation. And it's the same name, if you translate it into Greek, that means the Lord saves. God is salvation, which is Jesus. Moses prayed for a shepherd to lead his people. And temporarily, God provided the Lord saves Joshua. That's how you say it in Hebrew. But ultimately, and for all time, he provides Jesus, the Lord saves. What does Jesus say in John chapter 10, verse 9? He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is trying to tell them, I'm the answer to the prayer of Moses. You know, he's the answer for us too. 
He says, I haven't come like one of those thieves. I've actually come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. There's a church in Palestine right now. There are Christians in Palestine, Christians in Israel right now. And the church, there's a church in Palestine. They've gotten word out and they've said, here's how you can pray for us. Would you pray for our physical protection? Would you pray that we could unite people with Jesus? And would you pray we would unite people under the joy Jesus gives us? In the midst of their family dying, in the midst of bombs falling, they said, we actually have joy in Jesus. When Jesus says, I've come to give you life abundantly, he's not talking about he's going to give you comfort. He's not talking about how you will never have anything go wrong. He's not even talking about how you're going to be happy. What he's talking about is he will give you joy and life abundantly, peace, even that surpasses understanding, peace and joy in the midst of this terrible world we live in. Jesus says, I can give you that right now because I am with you. We need to pray for the Palestinians. We need to pray for the Gaza Strip. We need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for peace. But ultimately, we need to pray for the forever peace. The answer to prayer, the answer to our prayers for peace is Jesus. He's the only one that died to save us, and then rose from the dead. It is through him that we find joy and peace. And he gave us a reminder of this. He said, I want you to have a reminder of how you are going to know I am with you. I want you to be a reminder of how you remember my body absorbed your sin so that you could be Declared not guilty, and my blood covers over you so you can be clean. It's called communion. Would you take out your communion cup and bread? You take out your bread and just hold it in your hand. As you hold that bread, would you remember what Jesus has done for you? When Jesus went to the cross and died in your place, he was opening a way through his body. And he absorbed the sins, your sins and my sins, into his body. Would you remember that as you participate in the bread? Lord, it is difficult for us to understand, but you tell it to us straight. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to heaven except through you. And Lord, you, you make the way through your body by absorbing our sin and exchanging our sin for your righteousness. Lord, we praise you that you put our sins to death and took the punishment we deserved into your body. Would you take out your cup? And would you remember the blood? Moses said, you have to have blood to go on the curtain and on the mercy seat. And it is Jesus' blood that covers that in the spiritual tabernacle. In heaven, Jesus' blood covers over. And then it washes us clean. When you participate in the cup, the scripture says you're participating 
in that cleansing power of the blood, would you participate in the cup? Lord, we praise you that your blood and your body open the way for us to have access to God. We praise you that it's no longer in the moment a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace that we can boldly come before you and pray and ask for more grace because of the body and blood of Christ making the way. Lord, he is the door. He is the gate. He is the curtain. It is through him that we are saved. God, I thank you for this memorial communion. I thank you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to end with a, with a couple of stories. I want to conclude with two stories. You know, when Jesus says he is the gate and then he gives us the responsibility to bring people to him, it, it involves the, the work of the church, but a lot of times we confuse the work of the church for working at church. And there was a, uh, someone in our congregation that came to me last, last week and said, I'm just worn out. And they were confused with working at church with doing the work of church. See, the working at church is, is important. Today, at the end of this hour, we're going to need to pick up these chairs because we have upward basketball coming in for evaluations this week. And then next Sunday, we're going to need all the chairs put back into rows just like this. And, you know, that can be exhausting. And uh, it can be wearing out. And, and you, you forget why you're moving the chairs. We're moving the chairs, that's working at church, for the work of the church, which is to tell people about Jesus. And when kids come in to play basketball, they hear the good news about Jesus. And their parents who drop them off, they can't help but overhear the good news about Jesus. And Cheryl Brockmeyer, who leads uh, our our upward program, she makes relational connections that bring people in so that they can hear about Jesus. And when they show up on game days, they hear a devotion about Jesus. And when you tell somebody about Jesus, it's kind of exhilarating and it gets, it gets your blood going. And you know, when you tell people about Jesus, even if you are an introvert and you're scared to death, you, you don't get tired after telling people about Jesus. See, doing the work of, of the church is telling people about Jesus building relationships for the kingdom, teaching people to obey everything Jesus is commanding. Working at church is important, but it's not, it's connected to the work of the church, but it's not the work of the church. And this person had confused the two. And they were worn out from working at church. And what they have to do is get back to doing the work of the church. One of our small group members today did the work of the church. We had a visitor that was coming in that wanted a small group to go to. And that small group member met them at the door and walked them into a group to be a part of because they wanted to show the love of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest stories I've heard this year is one of our small groups found out one of their small group members had never had a birthday party. And so they surprised him with a birthday party on a Sunday morning. And they brought in a gift he really needed. Because they were, see, they're, we are not the way, that's Jesus. But Jesus has given us the responsibility to bring people to him 
so that he can let them in. And we do that by doing the work of the church, by loving people and forgiving people, by bringing peace wherever we go, by taking responsibility to act like Jesus whenever we can. The work of the church is different than the work at the church. They're both important, but one is most important. And we have to bring people as close to Jesus as we can to get rid of all the obstacles we can so that they can meet bouncer Jesus. And he can check their ID and he can tend to their wounds and then he can let them into the kingdom. Let me pray. God, would you give us courage to go out and do the work of the church to bring people to you. And then, Lord, we trust your grace, your forgiveness, and your love that you will let them in. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.